of what love looks like. And so the idea of these cards, usually I, I put images up on the um, screen for you to look at as I'm preaching. And today, I believe the Lord would just have us to focus on two questions as we're listening to the sermon. You're listening for what does God's love for us look like? So what does God's love for us look like? And what does our love for God look like? What does it look like now? What would he have it look like? So anybody else need a card? Yeah, here you go. Anna, Terry, some over here on the side. Um, you're actively listening. And um, I think there might be a screen. I'm not sure if there's a slide or not. But I thought maybe on one side of the card, if there's a picture, an image, words that come to mind about what does God's love look like, you could put it on one side of the card. You could turn over. And on the other side of the card, you could just write down maybe it's a picture and you draw a picture or maybe there's some words that stick out to you. What does our love for God look like? And so these two questions are before us today as we um, open God's word. I want to pray a prayer from Ephesians 3 um, for this sermon. And so, um, Lord, I pray this, that out of your glorious riches, that you would strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. Lord, I pray that you be, I pray that for each of us being rooted and established in love, that we would have power together with all of the Lord's holy people, that we would grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Lord, would you do that in our midst? Would you anoint my words? Would you anoint our ears to hear what your Holy Spirit would say to each of us this morning? In your precious name. Amen. We're going to start by um, reading our passage of scripture, and it's from Mark, the second gospel. Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. So Mark 12, 28 to 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given him a good answer, he asked of Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. We heard in our opening time of greeting our new members 
stories of experiencing love. We are all longing to experience God's love. It's absolutely life-changing. When we know that God is trustworthy, when we know that we're chosen, when we know that we're fully known, when we know that God didn't put us as orphans, but he put us in community, when we know and experience the deep, deep love of God, it changes us. There's a vacuum, there's a hole, there's something empty and waiting to be filled by the love of God. We were made in his image, and he's waiting. We're waiting. He wants to reveal himself. And I believe that that's what motivated these religious leaders to want to pursue. They were trying to figure out, what does love look like? What does it look like? And they're going to the scriptures, and they're asking Jesus, because they really don't believe that he is love. And so... This book of Mark, when I am um, preaching from that, when we're in these series where we're jumping from passage to passage, we need to know kind of what is this particular book. We haven't been in Mark for a bit, so what is this book about? And so very briefly, Mark jumps in with the gospel. It's the shortest gospel. They believe it was the first gospel written. And he starts out really abruptly, and he ends abruptly, And really the whole thing is about this. How will we respond to Jesus? The world encounters God who is love in Jesus. And how will we respond? And so Mark jumps story to story, actually includes more details than some of the other gospels in his stories. He just doesn't include as many stories. But he includes um, details. And in Mark, he basically lays out three groups of people. He he lays out these crowds, and the crowds are amazed by Jesus, but their lives aren't changed. It's kind of like they're just running for the supernatural flashes of, like, that's really incredible. They're in awe of Jesus. They're amazed, but their lives haven't been changed yet. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law is the second crowd of people, and they are very negative. They're just really negative, very doubtful about Jesus, And then there's a third group of people, the disciples. And they're following Jesus, but oftentimes they're confused. They aren't quite sure. It's not yet become totally clear. They're following Jesus, but there's this not certainty. And it's really building. The whole book of Mark is building towards the climax of Jesus' revelation of God's love on the cross. And so... That's where we are in the progression of this book of Mark. And there, right now, Jesus has been talking to the religious leaders, that group of negative ones. And yet, it's very surprising that one of their teachers, now it moves to an individual. When it moves away from the group talk in Mark and it lays out individuals, quite often they're ones that are on their journey of coming to know Jesus. That revelation is starting to come. And so here's this teacher One of the, typically the group is negative, but he's seeing that Jesus has wisdom. And he comes um, to Jesus, and it's kind of a pre-faith journey. It seems that the Lord's showing us that here's one of these religious leaders that seems to be maybe genuinely seeking Jesus. And he asks this question, which commandment is the most important? Which one is the most important? Well, Jesus goes to the Shema. He says, that's a 
passage from Deuteronomy, a passage that all of the religious leaders, the pious um, Jews, would quote morning and night in their prayers. And so every day they would say, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They would repeat that morning and evening. So Jesus connects with them where they are, and he says, Okay, the command that I'm going to um, lay out for you is going to be the one that you're, you're, I'm going to start with something that you're very familiar with. You see, when they're asking, what's the most important? These um, Jewish leaders had 613 individual statutes of the law that they tried to keep very meticulously. And so it was very common for them to talk about, well, what's the greatest? What's the most important? What has more weight? What is going to be the nature of the demand on my life? What is the nature of demand? The focus in his question is what do we need to do? What would you say is the most important thing we need to do? And it's kind of a focus on human achievement. And Jesus doesn't jump into human achievement. He jumps right into looking at God. And he says to know him, to know him, to think, let's go back and think about who God is. And he points them right away to God to know him who is fully love. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. That idea of the Lord our God, he's a personal God. We have a relationship with him. He's our God. And he's one. Well, that can have the sense of he is the one that's over all. He's preeminent. In the beginning was God, right? And he created the heavens and the earth. So God before all other gods, over all other gods. But there's also this idea of one. He's not divided. He's whole. This is not yin and yang. Our God is whole. He's altogether love. He is fully, unchanging, always and forever love. That's his essence. That's who he is. And the command is to respond appropriately to the Lord, respond to his love. How do we respond appropriately to God who is love? We love him back. I just, I had this picture in my mind this week of how, you know how little babies sometimes will just thrash around when they're tired and then finally they just settle in. And I feel like the only appropriate response to our good and loving God is to just settle into his love, receive his love, and be secure in his love, which then we're loving back. What is God's will? God's will for us, what is this great command? To love him. To love him wholeheartedly, to love him actively, to love him for who he is and for his image in others. And so to love God and to love our neighbor is inseparable in Jesus' mind. So those aren't separated, and we're going to spend more time next week on this idea of loving our neighbor, a horizontal relationship. Today we're focusing on our love for God, his love for us, a vertical relationship. The command to love, it's our obligation in response. It's the only fitting response for God who is so unique. He is one He's preeminent, he's eternal, he's altogether different than us, and he's altogether holy. 
holy, 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 because he is love, love, love. We have never in this earth seen a full revelation, a full picture in any human relationship. There's always this mixing in of somehow our sinful flesh and sometimes much, much more evil. But in God, our only response, appropriate response, is to love him back, to love him for the gracious favor of his first love for us, his covenant love to his people. How are we to love God? We're to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Do you hear that? All, 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 wholehearted, all together with everything that we have, we're to love him back. Why? Because he loves us all together with all he has. Now these four sections, your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, that one mind is unique to Mark in the way he relays this. He includes that, love the Lord with your mind. What do these things mean? They're kind of some overlap, but some simple definitions. Love the Lord with all your heart means the core of your being, in your spirit, the holy of holies, where Jesus sends his spirit in us, the core of our being, Love him in the core of your being, in the core of your understanding. Your soul, some people say that's your entire life. It's where your feelings, where your will would be located if we were compartmentalized somehow. Love the Lord with all your mind, with your thinking, with your intellect, with your comprehension. Love the Lord with your mind. Love the Lord with your strength. Love the Lord with your energy, right? We're to run the race that he's marked out for us. And so we're going to love the Lord with our body. We're going to take care of our bodies as part of our love and worship of the Lord. It can also mean that idea of strength can mean our resources or our influence. So it can be our finances. So we not only give tithes, which is the first 10%. If you made $10 this week, then it means loving the Lord with your strength would be giving at least that tithe, that first 10%, $1, and maybe you want to give offerings on top of that, so you want to give an extra 50 cents as an expression of loving the Lord with your strength. So your energy, your body, your resources, your influences, love the Lord with all of who you are. And the teacher's response it was surprisingly positive. He says, well, you've, he said, um, you were right in saying. So he, he acknowledges Jesus was right in what he said. And then Mark has him repeat this. He repeats, love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength. He has him repeat it because it's so important, right? It's like he puts bold face or he highlights this. Love, love, love back. What's most important? Love God. It's shocking that he elevates um, that. He says this is more important to love, love the Lord and love your neighbors more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Remember, this was part of their um, duties all the time was taking care of these sacrifices on behalf of sin. And yet he says, actually, you're right. Love is more important even not to say that the sacrifices weren't important because at that point that was the way God had given for a covering of sin. But you see, it was very soon that in Mark's gospel it was going to be revealed 
that Jesus just became the final sacrifice. And so that sacrifice was going to be fulfilled in Christ, but that love, that command to love goes on and on and on forever. Jesus says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far. You're not there, but you're not far. You're on a journey. And for each of us, we're kind of left wondering, did he ever realize that Jesus was the Messiah? Did he ever realize that Jesus' love was actually God came down to save him from his sins and give him eternal life? Did he realize that? Do we realize it? Maybe we're on a faith journey and haven't accepted Jesus as our Savior yet. But do we recognize it? And Jesus would say, you're not far. But remember, we can't control that we even have another hour of life, let alone another day. If you hear this message today and you haven't accepted Jesus and his love for you, today's the day. Today's the day. He would call you and say, Let my love fill you. Let my love fill that hole in your heart. Let my love. It's weird in Mark that oftentimes Jesus said, he did these miracles. He would do miracles. He would drive out demons. And he would say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell. They call this the messianic secret. And it's kind of made people confused. Like, why did Jesus say, don't tell? But they think that he said, don't tell, because they didn't have a complete picture yet of who he was as fully love, right? Oh, he's an all-powerful person. He's a miracle worker. Well, yes, that's true, but that's not the whole picture. Oh, he's got authority over demons. Yes, that's true, but that's not all of it. He is love incarnate. He is God who came in our, he came from glory He came from holiness and stepped into the brokenness of sin and came alongside. He's there in the synagogue with these negative people. He didn't have to be there. Jesus is there fully as love, and he's there, and he wants them to follow him all the way to the cross so that they'll see what their God, the God, the God who's above all gods, he is love. His most important command is this, look at your Lord who is holy love and respond back in a most appropriate way, which is to settle into his love. Receive it and then love him back, love others back. Jesus doesn't call for a going through the motions, check off my list, I just went to church, that's a ritual, that is not love. But you can go to church with your whole heart to worship him, and that is love. And so he who knows all watches each one of our hearts this morning, and he's saying, I see you. I know you. Your heart is here, and you're full of love, or you're here checking off the box that you did a good thing. That was a religious ritual. But today Jesus would say, you're not far, but receive my love. When we don't love fully, our hearts betray us. They betray our loyalties. Let me explain. When our hearts are not fully devoted to the Lord, our loyalties will somehow come out. 
Do you remember the name Benedict Arnold? He was, he's known as a traitor. He was on the American Revolution side. He actually was an amazing help in three or four, at least, I'm not a big history buff, but three or four key military initiatives, and he helped win. I see some nodding right here. So, okay, I wish I would have him tell the story. It would be much better. But anyway, but he did not, he did not get the recognition that he thought he deserved in these military um, conquests. And so he traded sides from the American side to the British side. And when he went to the British side, he talked to them and he said, I'll help you take over West Point if you give me some money and give me a great position in your military. And then his plan, he got exposed. He was able to defect. And, um, but the name Benedict Arnold remains as a name of divided loyalties, where what was really in his heart was he wanted recognition more than his loyalty to the American Revolution. Well, what is, where are our heart's loyalties? Because they will be exposed. They will come out. Are we fully devoted to God? Or do we want something for ourselves? Or are we looking somewhere else, which is idolatry? And so... That's why the Lord says, love me with all of your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. If our hearts are divided at the core of our being, there's not going to be change. We may give lip service or mental assent to Christianity, but do we deeply, deeply from that inner place, is the Holy Spirit residing, is there love for God? If our souls are divided, we often will feel conflicted, and will lack motivation to walk out this journey of faith. If our minds are not fully loving God, we're going to have a lazy mind. Some people say, don't get stuck in spiritual kindergarten. Now, there is nothing wrong with being kindergartner. Amen? Everybody at a certain age should be a kindergartner. But you don't want to be a kindergartner when you're 45 years old. You know, that's for like maybe five and six-year-olds or something, you know, and seven and eight-year-olds, all right? We need to continue to love the Lord with our mind. If we aren't loving the Lord with our mind, we're not reading our Bibles because that's where we're going to come to know him more and receive his love to us, and then we'll be able to understand how to love him back. We may have lazy minds or we may just have cluttered minds by things of the world, But to love the Lord with our mind means to focus, to intentionally think about the Lord. If we're incompletely loving the Lord with our strength, we're not volunteering. We're not, um, we hear about needs and we aren't stepping up to the plate. Um, We may fail to give our um, offerings or may fail to take care of our bodies because they're a gift from us and we want to love the Lord back with our, our strength. David Garland and his um, NIV application commentary on the book of Mark said this, we're not saved by fractions, so we don't offer only fractions of ourself to God in response. Well, praise the Lord, we're not saved in fractions. I just don't want my left arm to have eternal life and the rest of me just, you know, um, right? So we want to be wholly saved, delivered, have eternal life in God, And so we offer not just a fraction of ourselves, but completely to the Lord. 
We need a picture of what love looks like. Those that were encountering Jesus were getting glimpses and pictures. They got snapshots, like we just heard little snapshots. But if you read the book of Mark in its entirety or any of the Gospels, and if you read the Bible in its entirety, you get the big picture of what God looks like and what his love looks like. And I was reminded of a um, song that I like from Misty Edwards, and it's called Arms Wide Open. And it talks about, do you know what love looks like? What does love look like? It's the question I've been pondering. What does it look like? I've been asking of you. What does love look like? And then she says, I sat down a little frustrated and confused. If all of life comes down to love, then what then love has to be more than sentiment, more than selfishness and selfish gain. And then she sings so beautifully. And then I saw him there hanging on a tree looking at me. I saw him there hanging on a tree looking at me. He was looking at me, looking at him, staring through me. I could not escape those beautiful eyes. And I began to weep. He had arms wide open, his heart exposed. Arms wide open, he was bleeding, he was bleeding. Arms wide open. His heart exposed, arms wide open. He was bleeding, he was bleeding, looking at me, looking at him, staring through me. And she saw love. And when we look at Jesus, and we look at what he did for us, we see love. And today... He says, receive my love, believe my love, and by the Spirit's work in you, you'll love me back. And as you let me speak the truth of my love into the depths of your heart, it's going to fill those holes, it's going to fill those voids. There's joy, there's peace, there's community in the love of Jesus. And he invites us, receive my love. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for living out a life of love on this earth. 